0: Chapter Five, Part Two of Love Among the Artists by George Bernard Shaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Five, Part Two. I will go up," said Magdalen. "Come on, Mary." And she ran upstairs, followed more slowly by Mary, who thought the house close and ill kept, and gathered her cloak about her to prevent it touching the banisters when they reached the second floor they knocked at the door but no one answered above them was a landing accessible by a narrow uncarpeted stair they could hear a shrill voice in conversation with a deep one on the third floor whilst they waited the shrill voice rose higher and higher and the deep voice began to growl ominously "Oh, a happy pair whispered mary we had better go downstairs and get the servant to find mrs simpson no wait a little That is Polly's voice, I am sure. Hark! The door above was opened violently, and a powerful voice resounded, saying, Be gone, you Jezebel! The man! exclaimed Madge. Mr. Jack! exclaimed Mary. And they looked wonderingly at one another and listened. How dare you offer me such language, sir? Do you know whose house this is? I will tell you once for all that I am neither able nor willing to pay you one farthing. Hold your tongue until I have finished this command was emphasized by a stamp that shook the floor i have eaten nothing to-day and i cannot afford to starve here is my shirt here is my waistcoat take them come take them or i'll stuff them down your throat and give them to your servant to pawn she has pawned the shirt before and let her get me something to eat with the money do you hear i will not have my servant go to the pawn shop for you and get my house a bad name then go and pawn them yourself and do not come to this room again with your threats and complaints unless you wish to be strangled. I'd like to see you lay a finger on me a married woman. Do you call yourself a gentleman? Here there was a growl, a sound of hasty footsteps, an inarticulate remonstrance, a checked scream, and then a burst of sobbing and the words, You're as hard as a stone, Mr Jack. My poor little rosy. Oh stop that noise, you crocodile. What is the matter with you now? My rosy. What is the matter with your Rosie? You are sniveling to have her back, because she is happier in the country than stifling in this den with you, you ungovernable old hag. God forgive you for that word. Oh, she ain't in the country. Then where the devil is she? And what did you mean by telling me she was there? She's in the hospital. For the Lord's sake, don't let it get out on me, Mr. Jack, or I should have my house empty. The poor little darling took the scarlet fever and— and And you deserved to be hanged for letting her catch it. Why didn't you take proper care of her? How oh, could I help it, Mr. Jack? I'm sure if I could have took it myself instead. Oh, I wish to heaven you had, and the unfortunate child and everybody else might have been well rid of you. Oh, don't say that, Mr. Jack i may have spoke hasty to you but it's very hard to be owed money and not be able to get the things from my blessed angel to be sent to the country in and she going to be discharged on friday you needn't look at me like that mr jack i wouldn't deceive you of all people Oh, you would deceive your guardian angel if you had one for a shilling give me back those things here is a ring which you can pawn instead it is worth something considerable i suppose Take what money you require for the child and bring me the rest, but mind, not one farthing of it shall you have for yourself, nor should you if I owed you ten years' rent. I would not pawn it to save you from starvation, and get me some dinner and some music-paper, the same you used to get me, twenty-four staves to the page. Off with you. What are you gaping at? Why, wherever did you get this ring, Mr. Jack? That's nothing to you. Take it away and make haste with my dinner.' but did you buy it or was it the voice abruptly broke into a smothered remonstrance and the landlady appeared on the landing apparently pushed out by the shoulders then the lodger's door slammed polly cried magdalen impatiently polly lord miss madge come down here we have waited ten minutes for you mrs simpson came down and brought her two visitors into her sitting-room on the second floor won't you sit down miss she said to mary don't pull out that chair from the wall miss madge its leg is broke oh dear i'm greatly worried what with one thing and another we have been listening to a battle between you and the lodger upstairs said magdalen and you seem to be getting the worst of it no one knows what i've gone through with that man said mrs simpson wiping her eyes he walked into the room a fortnight ago when i was out without asking leave knocks at the door at one o'clock in the day and asks the girl if the garret is let to anyone no sir says she so up he goes and plants himself as if he owned the house to be sure she knew him of old but that was all the more reason for keeping him out for he never had a halfpenny the very first thing he sent her to do was to pawn his watch and the things i have to put up with from him he thinks no more of calling me every name he can lay his tongue to and putting me out of my own room than if he was a prince and me his kitchen-maid he's as strong as a bull and cares for nothing nor nobody but himself what is he said magdalen his name is jack isn't it yes and a fit name it is for him he came here first to my sorrow last december and took the garret for half a crown a week he had a portmanteau then and some little money and he was quiet enough for almost a month but he kept very much to himself except for letting poor little rosy play about his room and teaching her little songs you can't think what a queer child she is miss sutherland i'm sure you'd say so if you saw mr jack the only lodger she ever took any fancy to at last he sent the servant to pawn his things and i like a fool was loath to see him losing his clothes and offered to let the rent run if he could pay at the end of the month then it came out that he was in the music profession and actually expected to get pupils while he was living in a garret i did a deal for him although he was nothing to me i got him a stationer's daughter from high street to teach after six lessons if you'll believe it miss and she as pleased as anything with the way she was getting along he told the stationer that it was a waste of money to have the girl taught because she had no qualification but vanity so he lost her and now she has lessons at four guineas a dozen from a lady that gets all the credit for what he taught her then simpson's brother-in-law got him a place in a chapel in the edgeware road to play the harmonium and train the choir but they couldn't stand him he treated them as if they were dogs and the three richest old ladies in the congregation who had led the singing for forty-five years walked out the second night and said they wouldn't enter the chapel till he was gone when the minister rebuked him he up and said that if he was a god and they sang to him like that he'd scatter him with lightning that's his notion of manners so he had to leave but a few of the choir liked him and got him occasionally to play the piano at a glee club on the first floor of a public-house he got five shillings once a fortnight or so for that and not another half-penny had he to live on except pawning his clothes bit by bit you may imagine all the rent i got at last he managed some way to get took on as tutor by a gentleman at windsor i had to release his clothes out of my own money before he could go i was five pound out of pocket by him between rent and other things did he ever pay you said mary oh yes miss he certainly sent me the money i am far from saying that he is not honourable when he has the means it is a funny coincidence said mary it was to us that mr jack came as tutor he taught charlie to you said magdalen surprised and by no means pleased then you know him yes he left us about a fortnight ago just so said mrs simpson and was glad enough to come straight back here without a penny in his pocket and here he is like to be until some other situation drops into his lap if i may ask miss why did he leave you oh for no particular reason said mary uneasily that is my brother had left windsor and we did not require mr jack any more so he was the tutor of whom mrs beattie told mother said magdalen significantly yes i hope he was pleasanter in your house miss than he is in mine however that's not my business i have no wish to intrude except the letter he wrote me with the money not a civil word have i ever had from him a lady whom i know said mary employed him whilst he was with us to correct some songs which she wrote perhaps i could induce her to give him some more i should like to get him something to do but i am afraid she was offended by the way he altered a composition last time "'Well, Polly,' said Magdalen, "'we are forgetting my business. "'Where is the professor that Mrs. Wilkins told me of? "'I wish Mr. Jack gave lessons in elocution. "'I should like to have him for a master.' "'Why, oh, Miss Madge, to tell you the honest truth, "'it is Mr. Jack. "'But wait till I show you something. "'He's given me a ring to pawn, "'and it's the very moral of your own "'that you used to wear in Gower Street.' "'It is mine, Polly.' I owe Mr. Jack four guineas, and I must pay him to-day. Don't stare. I will tell you all about it afterwards. I have to thank him, too, for getting me out of a great scrape. Mary, do you wish to see him? Well, I would rather not, said Mary slowly. At least I think it would be better not. But after all, it can do no harm, and I suppose it would not be right for you to see him alone. Oh, never mind that, said Magdalene suspiciously. I can have Polly with me if you had rather not have me present i will go oh i don't care only you seem to make some difficulty about it yourself there can be no real difficulty now that i come to consider it yet i hardly know what i ought to do you had better make up your mind said magdalen impatiently well madge i have made up my mind said mary perching her spectacles and looking composedly at her friend i will stay very well said madge not with a very good grace i suppose we must not go to mr jack so he had better come to us polly go and tell him that two ladies wish to see him you had better say on business added mary and don't mention our names i want to see whether he will know me again said magdalen mary looked hard at her do you really mean it miss madge good gracious yes replied magdalen angrily the landlady after lingering a moment in doubt and wonder went out silence ensued magdalen's color brightened and she moved her chair to a place whence she could see herself in the mirror mary closed her lips and sat motionless and rather pale not a word passed between them until the door opened abruptly and jack with his coat buttoned up to his chin made a short step into the room recognizing mary he stopped and frowned how do you do mr jack she said bowing steadily to him he bowed slightly and looked round the room seeing magdalen he was amazed she bowed too and he gave her a scared nod won't you sit down mr jack said the landlady assuming the manner in which she was used to receive company have you pawned that ring yet he said turning suddenly to her no she retorted scandalized then give it back to me she did so and he looked at magdalen saying you have come just in time i came to thank you You need not thank me i was sorry afterwards for having helped a young woman to run away from her father if i were not the most hot-headed fool in england i should have stopped you i hope no harm came of it i am sorry to have caused you any uneasiness said magdalen colouring the young woman drove straight home after transacting some business that she wished to conceal from her father that was all so much the better if i had known you were at home i should have sent you your ring my father expected you to write I told him I would, but I thought better of it. I had nothing to tell him. You must allow me to repay you the sum you so kindly lent me that day, Mr. Jack, said Magdalen in a lower voice, confusing herself by an unskilled effort to express gratitude by her tone and manner. It will be welcome, he replied moodily. Magdalen slowly took out a new purse. Give it to Mrs. Simpson, he added, turning away. The movement brought him face to face with Mary, before whom his brow gathered portentously she bore his gaze steadily but could not trust herself to speak i have some further business mr jack said magdalen i beg your pardon said he turning again towards her mrs simpson told me ah said he interrupting her and casting a threatening glance at the landlady it was she who told you where i was to be found was it well i don't see the harm if i did said mrs simpson if you look on it as a liberty on my part to recommend you mr jack i can easily stop doing it recommend me what does she mean miss brailsford you are miss brailsford are you not yes i was about to say that mrs simpson told me that you gave that is i should perhaps explain first that i intend to go on the stage what do you want to go on the stage for the same as anybody else i suppose said mrs simpson indignantly "'I wish to make it my profession,' said Magdalene. "'Do you mean make your living by it?' "'I hope so.' "'Humph! "'Do you think I should have any chance of success?' "'I suppose. "'If you have intelligence and perseverance "'and can drudge and be compliant "'and make stepping-stones of your friends. "'But there, I know nothing about success. "'What have I got to do with it? "'Do you think, as your father did, "'that I am a theatrical agent?' "'Well, I must say, Mr. Jack, exclaimed the landlady that those who try to befriend you get very little encouragement i am right sorry so i am that i brought miss madge to ask you for lessons lessons said jack oh i did not understand lessons in what music no said magdalen i wanted lessons in elocution and so forth at least i was told the other day that i did not know how to speak neither do you that is true enough said jack thoughtfully well i don't profess to prepare people for the stage but i can teach you to speak if you have anything to say or any feeling for what better people put into your mouth you are not very sanguine as to the result i fear the result as far as it goes is certain if you practice if not i shall give you up after all there is no reason why you should not do something better than be a fine lady your appearance is good all the rest can be acquired except a genius for tomfoolery which you must take your chance of the public want actresses because they think all actresses bad they don't want music or poetry because they know that both are good so actors and actresses thrive as i hope you will and poets and composers starve as i do when do you wish to begin it was soon arranged that magdalen should take lessons in mrs simpson's sitting-room and in her presence every second weekday and that she should pay mr jack for them at the rate of three guineas a dozen the first was to take place on the next day but one then the two ladies rose to go but magdalen first drew mrs simpson aside to pay her the money which jack had lent her so that he was left near the door with mary who had only spoken once since he entered the room mr jack she said in an undertone i fear i have intruded on you but i assure you i did not know who it was that we were coming to see else you would not have come only because i should have expected to be unwelcome it does not matter i am glad to see you though i have no reason to be how is mr adrian mr herbert i beg his pardon mr herbert of course he is quite well thank you jack rubbed his hands stealthily and looked at mary as though the recollection of adrian tickled his sense of humour as she tried to look coldly at him he said with a shade of pity in his tone ah miss sutherland it is one thing to be very fond of music it is quite another to be able to compose is it said mary puzzled he shook his head you don't see the relevance of that said he well never mind she looked at him uneasily and hesitated then she said slowly mr jack some people at windsor friends of mine have been asking about you i think if you could come down once a week i could get a music class together for you no doubt he said his angry look returning they will take lessons because you asked them to be charitable to your discarded tutor why did you discard him if you think him fit to teach your friends not at all the project was mentioned last season before i knew you it is simply that we wish to take lessons if you do not get the class somebody else will it is very difficult to avoid offending you mr jack indeed why does the world torment me if it expects to find me gracious to it and who are the worthy people that are burning to soar in the realms of song well to begin with i should lo you i would not give you lessons though your life depended on it no by heaven at least he continued more placably as she recoiled evidently hurt you shall have no lessons from me for money i will teach you if you wish to learn but you shall not try to make amends for your old caprice of beggaring me by a new caprice to patronize me then of course i cannot take any lessons i thought not you will confer favours on your poor music-maker but you will not stoop to accept them from him your humble dog miss sutherland he made her a bow you quite mistake me said mary unable to control her vexation will you take the class or not where will the class be i could arrange to have it at our house if never i have crossed its threshold for the last time So long as it is not there i do not care where it is not less than one journey a week and not less than a guinea clear profit for each journey those are my lowest terms i will take as much more as i can get but nothing less perhaps you are thinking better of getting the class for me i never break my word mr jack ha don't you i do a fortnight ago i swore never to speak to you again the same day i swore never to part with your friend's ring except to herself well here i am speaking to you for no better reason than that you met me and offered to put some money in my way and you stopped me in the act of pawning her ring which i was going to do because i thought i would rather have a beefsteak but you are adamant you never change your mind you have a soul above fate and necessity ha ha magdalen said mary turning to her friend who had been waiting for the end of this conversation i think we had better go mary was crimson with suppressed resentment and Magdalen, not displeased to see it, advanced to bid Jack farewell in her most attractive manner. He immediately put off his bantering air and ceremoniously accompanied them downstairs to the door, where Magdalen, going out first, gave him her hand. Mary hesitated, and he wrinkled his brow as he looked at her. "'I will tell Miss Cairns to write to you about the class,' she said. He listened to her with an attention which she thought derisive. Flushing with displeasure, she added, and as miss cairns has done nothing to incur your anger i beg mr jack that you will remember that she is a lady and will expect to be treated with common civility oho said jack delighted have i been rude have i you have been excessively rude mr jack she went out quickly sending the words with an angry glance over her shoulder he shut the door and went upstairs to mrs simpson's room braying like a donkey well jezebel he cried well polly well mrs quickly how are you i never was so ashamed in my life mr jack there were those young ladies only too anxious to do what they could for you and you like a bear no wonder you can't get on when you won't control yourself and have behaviour i am a bear am i you had better recollect that i am a hungry bear and that if my dinner does not come up you will get a hug that will break every bone in your stays don't forget the music paper you have plenty of money now four pounds four and a penny eh you've no cause to fear none of it will be stolen miss madge thought you hadn't counted it little did she know you she knew me better than you you sordid hag i counted my money that morning four pounds nine and seven pence i gave the railway clerk ten shillings he gave me five back that left four pounds four and seven pence i arrived here with sixpence in my pocket and from that I knew that I gave her four four and a penny. That reminds me that you sat there and let Miss Sutherland go away without making me ask her to send on my portmanteau, now that I have money to pay the carriage. You're very stupid. How could I tell whether you wanted me to mention it or not? I was thinking of it all the time, but... You were thinking of it all the time, cried Jack, in a frenzy, and you never mentioned it? Here, go for my dinner.' You would drive the most patient man living out of his senses. End of chapter five. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.